It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class, Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for Lax Class 235. Uh, thank you for joining us. Jake Elliott and Santino Farah back with you once again and lots to talk about, lots to chew on here on this episode. A great guest coming up, uh, Stallions, Lax Class Locks. Uh, a look ahead to the weekend. It's all on deck here, Tino. What's going on, man? It is a cooker outside. We're in a heat wave right now, man. I know you just got an AC unit. Mine's on full torque right now. And uh, the playoffs are heating up in the National Lacrosse League. Welcome back to Lax Class. What's going on? Yeah, not a lot's going on. Happy to be back. Um, yeah, it was last week was like sort of the start of this of this heat wave. And it was such a struggle for me because I wanted to sit on the couch. And I mean, I ultimately battled through credit to me, um, an absolute warrior, but, um, it was, I didn't get AC, like you said, until like just today. So I'm just like sitting on my couch, dripping, watching these lacrosse games. And it's, they're like happening in the evening at night kind of thing. And it's still like 25 degrees outside, like in a situation where I should not be sitting in my own sweat. It's (laughs) May. It's middle of May. Uh, ridiculous so a little crazy there and hopefully excuse me not uh like a sign of things to come i mean if we get into july and august and this is may right now look out uh especially if you're you're playing box lacrosse i mean the pylons are are they gonna be able to survive that kind of physical torture uh, in the dead of summer playing senior c lacrosse uh well okay you're mixing up my teams here pylons are ball hockey sorry sorry (laughs) Come on. Uh, it could work it, for both, I suppose. <laughs> hey, watch it, yeah, first right, of all. all right. Oh, I actually, I got to tell you about our game over the weekend. So we lost in overtime. Oh, no. Um, to uh, those pesky river rats from Queensboro. Oh. But uh, <laughs> our goalie got kicked out of the game, the and our backup wasn't there. <laughs> so the refs gave us 10 minutes to dress somebody. Uh. So we had this, like, <laughs> we have someone on our team that is a former team BC goalie. And I wasn't near the bench when this decision was being made. I was talking with the refs, trying to plead with them. Like hey, buy, our backup is buy here, some please. time. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Uh, and I get back to the bench and I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I assume this other guy's going to go in. They're like, uh, no, uh, this, this kid is brand new rookie on the team. Baby face, fresh out of junior. His name's Ben. They're like, yeah, Ben's going in. <laughs> I was like, what has Ben ever put on goalie gear before? So you got Who a goalie made- that's, and you decide to go with a rookie. And somebody decided, and they're like, yeah, no, he volunteered. I'm like, the great rookie stepping up, but like, yeah. what? And he comes out and I was like, have you ever touched goalie gear before? He's like, I played hockey goalie before. How'd okay, it go? Man. So, uh, I mean, we lost in overtime, but man, he, all things considered, he was unreal. He was making these like Dominic Hashik kick <laughs> saves. He was trying to catch the ball with his open oh. palm. And he told me he wanted to be the first goalie to make a windmill save when he like catches it and puts it over his head. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. So oh. shout out to Ben, but yeah, we lost in overtime. Tough one. Uh, senior C lacrosse. Man. <laughs> 
That is classic stuff right there. We should probably let the people know. Uh, we got Steve Dietrich, general manager and defensive coach for the East champion Buffalo Bandits. They're back into the finals as they dispose the Toronto Rock in a couple of games. We'll talk to Chugger coming up in quarter two. We'll try and piece together a little parlay for you with only one game going on in the National Lacrosse League this weekend. Uh, so we'll try and slap something together in quarter number three and then have a look ahead to that game three coming up between Calgary and Colorado as uh, not to ruin anything, but uh, they get the split in their first two games and they're going to a deciding third, which is exciting. Uh, anything else, Tino, that uh, you need to get off your, your chest uh, before we, we kind of dive into these games here, man? Uh, well, we got to run down me? some, uh, oh, yeah. some award nominees. There you go. I See, I knew I was like trying to think of what the hell we were supposed to talk about right here. And I was, <laughs> and uh, you just picked me up, man. So, you know, again, uh, part of the reason we decided to kind of shift the podcast is Wednesday is because news tends to drop from the National Cross League on Tuesday, and sure as sure could be, that's what they do. They announce all the finalists for the NLL awards. Let's uh, let's run these down here, Tina. Let's let's start at the top and and name the finalists, and then uh, I mean you can you know pick who we think should win. How about that? Sure. Sounds good. Right. Uh, I'll just go down the order that they have here on the league website. So we're starting with MVP, the most valuable player, uh, hot one up for debate, mm. but the uh, available candidates here, the nominees are Christian Del Bianco, of course, goaltender for the Calgary Roughnecks, Dane Smith and Jeff Teat of the New York Riptide, uh, Dane Smith, obviously of the Buffalo bandits. Mm. So uh, Jake, who do you got there? Yeah. Um, man, it's hard not to, to give Teat, the the just desserts here coming up one point shy of setting the all-time league record and scoring. But I'm one of those people that put a lot of weight into your team's record. And not to take anything away from Dane Smith, but I think the impact that Christian Del Bianco had on his team, not only between the pipes, but starting the transition game and where that team would be without Christian, that to me is the true definition of an MVP. It's been too long since a goaltender has won the award. Our guest coming up in the second quarter, Santino, the last man to do it. So give it to the phenom, Christian Del Bianco. Yeah, you and I are on the same page with this one. I, I think people forget oftentimes, like with an MVP award, so many times people just look at points and they look at who scores the most. But you have to remember the definition of the most valuable player to their team here mm -hmm. and i look at i mean again no dis disrespect to anybody like two people in this case have to have to lose or, or whatever like there's only one winner jeff teat amazing season dane smith amazing season but in teat's case he his he couldn't get his team to the postseason and in dane's case to me with if you take him out of that lineup that's still an unbelievable buffalo lineup if you take Christian Del Bianco out of the Calgary lineup, yeah. their season looks completely different. So for that reason, I'm calling Christian Del Bianco with the most you. Uh, with you. player. Um, next one on the list here, Rookie of the Year. We have Brett Dobson of the Georgia Swarm, Jonathan Donville, producer Donnie of Panther City, and Jack Hanna of the Vegas Desert Dog. Dogs. I got to go. Do you want to ask me who I got before you? 
I don't want to say who you yeah, got because we're, we're really, not there yet. We're not but, really doing that. Um, yeah, who do you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't go with Dobson because I just think the sample size was not big enough. And there were some inconsistencies throughout the year, which I think you could probably say for the other two, but not to the degree that we saw Dobson, who really struggled to begin the year and then picked and found his game and, and was strong down the stretch, but ultimately kind of a little too late. So for me, it's between Donville and Hannah, and I don't know. Like, I, I part of me feels like the upside and the ceiling might be higher for Hannah as those guys work their way into their primes, just with the, all the tools that both those guys bring to the table. But I think for this year, it's Jonathan Donville. He did some pretty special things. I think, you know, second most assist all time by a rookie. For for him to be kind of the quarterback facilitator of that Panther City offense, that, that gives him the nod from me over Hannah. What, real tight race here, but I, I'm going with Don. I think, uh, I mean, like, all season long, I was riding with Jonathan Donville, and I don't even think that's the wrong decision necessarily. I think I'm going with Dobson in this case, though. And I agree with you that the sample size maybe wasn't necessarily as big as the other two uh, nominees here. But I look at the importance of every game that Dobson was starting in once Georgia started heating up. And I think he was crucial to them going on that crazy run at the end of the season where they almost ended up making the playoffs. And as a rookie too, like all three of these guys have such high ceilings, but I really liked what I saw from Dobson this year, um, especially in the late stretch. So he's my rookie of the year. I think Georgia can take some solace in the fact that they're going to be just fine in goal moving forward. And they haven't been able to say that since Mike Poulin retired. Yeah. It's a pretty incredible position to be able to be in for sure. Um, next up on the list here, we've been goaltender heavy so far, and we're going to keep that up because we have goalie of the year, uh, Christian Del Bianco, Nick Rose, and Matt Vince. What do you think about these three? Well, listen, I don't know how I, contrary to, to one Tedward Jenner, who had the, the burning take, I suppose of, uh, Del Bianco winning the MVP, but not winning the goaltender of the year. I don't see how that is mathematically possible. Like, if you're the MVP of the league, don't you have to be the best goaltender in the league as well? I kind of feel like you do. I listed all the reasons why he's getting my MVP vote. They're the exact same reasons that I'm giving him my goaltender of the year. That would be a, a very interesting debate. Uh, can, like, if your goaltender is the MVP, are they also automatically the goaltender of the year? That, that I feel like that could be a really interesting discussion. Um. That being said, I mean, I'm going with Del Bianco on this one as well, but there's no wrong answer to <laughs> no, these no. three. Like, you know, there's not. There's not. It's absolutely ridiculous what Matt Vince continues to do at his age. Like I said last week, I think he's getting better, which is absolutely insane. Nick Rose is always in the, the, the top of the discussion. And, you know, another great year for Nick. Maybe not his, his best playoff run here, but. Uh, another solid year between the pipes for Toronto and, and surely deserving of the nomination. I just think Christian, again, with with everything that he brings to the table, just uh, a, a little bit higher than the other two. Uh, transition player of the year. Candidates are Reed Bowering of the Warriors, mm. Zach Courier of the Roughnecks, and Challen Rogers of the Toronto Rock. Obviously, love all three of these guys, two of them being 
Coquitlam Junior Ad next, you know, near and dear to my heart. But, uh, you know, Reed did not finish the season on the active roster. And again, uh, on a team that was on the outside looking into the postseason, I think Reed Bowering's going to win some transition on the Player of the Year awards as his career moves along. Challen, just unbelievable player. Like, all around, tip to tail, does whatever you need him to do. I think he, you know, played to his detriment, I guess, in this conversation, probably played a little too much offense to be a pure transition guy. Zach Courier, Santino, this guy might be the best player on the planet as far as an all-around lacrosse player goes. Like, it is, he's on another level in pretty much every category that you can think of. So this was pretty easy for me. Cash Zurier is my transition player of the year. Yeah. Uh, and I think I completely agree with you that I think Bowering is going to win one in uh, uh, pretty short, order. pretty, pretty shortly here. I think he's going to, he's going to be uh, the winner there, but yeah, I got to go with Courier on this one. The guy's just an absolute vacuum picking up loose balls and gets it up the floor. Like so quickly. It's the ridiculous. goals, the cost turnovers, the, yeah, it just all of it. does everything. So yeah, going Zach Courier there as well. Moving on, we have Defensive Player of the Year, mm. Latrell Harris. I was pretty fired up to see him on this list. Uh, Graham Hosick and Brad Cree. What do you think? Well, I think this is an award where about six guys could have been on the ballot, and you probably could have made a case for them with you know Rubish and Priolo, two perennial guys that are always seem to be on the list, not there. And and that's not to take anything away from Cree and L Train and 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 the cyborg, of course, um, it's a tough decision here for me. Do you know, like I, I think it comes down to me between the two rock players and who had the bigger impact on their team. I think I have to kind of whittle that down. I know Hasek. I think he set a record for cost turnovers this year, if I'm not mistaken. But there's a little more to it than all of that. And listen. This is going to make Patches Gregoire pretty happy here, Tino. I <laughs> I really think that Brad Cree deserves his comeuppance here. I think he's been knocking on the door and, and being talked about as one of the best, if not the best defender in the National Lacrosse League. I think this year he took his game to another level and give it to Brad Cree for me. I think I'm going to go with Graham Hosick here. This is, uh, again, like... I mean, it's you can repeat this with like every with every category here. There's no real wrong answer. I just look at the way that Graham Hosick defends, and he's such a he has such a unique style. Such a I mean, they call him the cyborg for a reason. He's just an absolute robot out there. Um, like you said, like set the record there for cause turnovers as well. This is a really tough category, but yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Graham Hosick right. of the uh, of the Thunderbirds. Okay, um, sportsmanship award, one that you certainly would have won, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> the candidates here are Kyle Buchanan, Tom Schreiber, and Lyle Thompson. What do you think? Like, I think we used to like pick on the guy that won this award <laughs> back in my day. Like, I won would, one of these when would, I was in minor. We would bully this guy. Um, <laughs> again, write it down for me, Lyle. Lyle Schreiber and Buchanan. Yeah, give it to Bucky. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I, all three of these guys are are deserving. I think Lyle's won it multiple times. Um, you could easily give it to to Tommy, but I just picked Cree, so I don't want to be all rock heavy here. So that you know, I, I got no other reason than that. Just Bucky, one of the good guys of our league, and 
I think, well, you know what? I'll, I'll take it a little deeper than that. I think the role that that guy plays on that team is an exceptional one that not everybody is able, willing, and can do. And I think Kyle Buchanan personifies that role. And, and you know, if we got to give him some sportsmanship, sure, let's do it. Yeah, um, I'm going with Lyle Thompson here. The guy just takes the worst matchups. And by that, I mean like the heaviest matchups every single game that he plays as, I mean, also certainly in the running for the best lacrosse player in the world. Mm. You never see like a mean bone in this guy's body. The guy never retaliates, never takes anything too to heart kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no disrespect to, to the other two. Now we also, we have to go through one of these categories without saying no disrespect to the okay. other two, not because we, uh, we, you know, you just dis- keep saying, you know, it. you're disrespecting somebody when you say no disrespect. <laughs> Speaking of Lyle Thompson, Tino, I don't know if you'll recall or whether you were on the episode or not. When I dropped a bit of a bomb about the Thompson brothers coming to Nanaimo to play lacrosse this summer, I heard a little rumor that, you know, Heine played there last year and I heard a rumor that two of his brothers we're going to join him the next year. Of course, Miles, Jeremy, and Lyle. There's three more besides Heine. And, you know, some people caught wind. They listen to the podcast, and they they put it out that, oh, Jumbo said that, that Lyle and Jeremy and, I, you know, are coming into Nanaimo. And I was like, listen, I heard two Thompson brothers. Maybe it's not Lyle. Maybe it's Miles and Jeremy. I could be wrong on this. Anyways, I got roasted on social media. Lyle, to to the point where Lyle actually put out a tweet saying, I'm not going anywhere, people. Relax, sort of thing. Well, I don't know if you just saw Tino, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying, Lyle not playing in the Premier Lacrosse League this summer, taking time away for his mental health to be around his family more, rest his body, again. I have no factual evidence that anything is happening, but the fact that he's not playing PLL, his brother played in Nanaimo last year, his family absolutely loves it there. I think his parents might even want to move there. Not saying, just saying, anything, if, if is, by anything chance, is possible. If by chance it does happen, everybody better pump your tires <laughs> Like so hard. Somehow you had the scoop like yeah. over six months ago. <laughs> Just saying. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh okay, and where are we? We said sportsmanship. Uh teammate of the year. Kyle Buchanan on there again. Dan Dawson of the Toronto Rock and John Lafontaine of the Albany Firewolves. Mm. Well, <clears throat> is Dan Dawson done playing in the National Cross League, Tino? I mean, if he is if that's it for Triple D, then let's give number six one more award on his way out the door. Why not? Don't think he's done. I just have, I don't know, I don't, I just feel like he's not done. Okay. Um, I, I hope he's not. I hope <laughs> yeah. he's not. But I was still, I'm still giving it to him either way. Just a wealth of knowledge out there. And with, with young and up and coming prospects in the Toronto rock organization, what a privilege that must be to be able to work alongside him. Just incredible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're both unanimous there. Okay. Uh, coach of the year, the Les Bartley award, mm. Mike Hazen, Rochester Nighthawks, Tracy Kaleski, Panther city and Kurt Malowski, 
What do you think here? Fabulous jobs by TK, the you know reigning coach of the year. Uh, another great job by him this season. Mike Hazen took his K-Hawks to levels that I don't think anybody really expected, but so did Kermalowski. I think the Calgary Roughnecks exceeded expectations. They had their best regular season in their franchise history. And I often say uh, the best box lacrosse coach on the planet right now is Kurt Malowski. And I'll fight you on that one uh, if, if you try and argue with me. Speaking of uh, Kurt Malowski, also the, the head coach of Langley Thunder, Tino. And uh, I don't know if you saw it today, but Jake Boudreaux, the newest member of the Thunder family. And... You know, I texted Rob Buckin, who's you know also the Western scout for the Bandits. I said, uh, Boudreaux, nice one. He goes, oh, yeah, a uh, few more coming and bigger names <laughs> than that. The, oh, my the, God. The load up continues out in the township. Uh, so stay tuned on that. More signings to come from Langley in the coming days. Kermalowski, uh, though. Kermalowski is my guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think I probably agree with you, but I don't want to agree with you on every category here. So I'm going to say Mike Hazen. Uh, <laughs> I think he is like the likely runner up, but for the reason that you, that you even went over already, the, the turnaround for Rochester, obviously they didn't get meet the end goal that they ultimately wanted, but compare the two seasons, this season and the previous, just an unbelievable turnaround when the odds were so stacked against them. So just for the sake of disagreeing with you, I'm going to say Mike Hazen. That's fair. That's fair. Um, GM of the year, mm. Mike Board, Calgary Roughnecks, Dan Carey, Rochester Nighthawks, and Jamie Dowick, Toronto Rock. Now, I want you to go first on this one. My thought, uh, and it's not because uh, he wants to he wants to beat me up in a friendly ball <laughs> hockey game, and it's not because he recently called me a pylon, apparently. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Like I look at the acquisitions of, of like a guy like Corey small, for example, going to Toronto in the off season and how big of a role he played this season. Again, another team in Toronto who ultimately didn't meet the goal that they want to, but that was a big off season for the Toronto rock where they're trying to get over that hump. So um, yeah, I'm going with Jamie Dowick in this situation. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta go with my guy here as well. I'm pretty sure I put his name down as, as my vote for, for GM of the year. And, and let's not forget, you know, wooing Chris Corbiel to Toronto as well. I know that the injury kind of kept him out of the lineup and, but I think, you know, the, the, a lot of good things have happened in Toronto since Jamie Dowick has been there. He's building that roster year after year after year and getting closer and closer sort of thing. And yeah, I, that's, a, it's always a tough one. Like I think Mike board has done a great job drafting in Calgary and you look at all the pieces that he's put in place there. And Dan Carey, of course, like, again, look at the, the jump that Rochester has made and that starts at the top, right? You, you can only coach and, and play with what, what the GM puts on the table for you. And I, all three of these guys have done a remarkable job at what they do. Uh, but only one co-host the podcast from time to time. So give me Jamie Dow. <laughs> yeah, not very biased. Either. No, not at all. Um, executive of the year. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this side of the thing whatsoever, but uh, candidates here, Melissa Blades, uh, director of business operations with the Calgary Roughnecks, Mark Fine, uh, CEO of the Desert Dogs and Matt Hutchings, uh, the executive vice president and chief operating officer uh, the Colorado Mammoth. 
I think Hutchinson might have won last year, so I'm gonna I'm gonna like Matt a lot. Does a great job there in Denver, and uh, you know the Loud House is always rocking and defending champs and all that. I think he won last year, so I'm not gonna go back to back for for Mr. Hutchins. So it's coming down between Melissa and Mark, and I've gotten to know Mark a little bit, um, you know, through Vegas's first year, and I think as far as a, a success story for a first year franchise i know that the fan base could be a little bit bigger and they want more seats or butts and seats out there and i think they're going to get there but i thought vegas did a pretty nice job rolling out the franchise and, and getting things started there and then pretty successful on the turf as well and again like i talked about the gm and the coat like it all starts at the top and mark fine is at the very very top and i'm going to give him my vote this year yeah, uh, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Mark Fine uh, is is, is uh, getting my vote as well. I just think being able to roll out a brand new franchise and having so many, I mean, there was a there was a, a run of play there for a while where we thought this team was going to be a playoff contender. Like, yeah, yeah, not that not that he has a direct effect on the, on the product on the floor, but you know the the experience as a whole plays a factor. Well, you know? listen, like, man, and and you know you think about okay, franchise, like what do you need to do, like to to roll out a franchise, you know, get the jersey, get the logo, get the players, and away you go. There is a million things that goes into getting a franchise off the ground. Like, you cannot imagine how long the list of things to do is to make that happen and how much time and, and effort it takes. It is a huge, huge undertaking. And like I said, I think Vegas did a great job. I think it's been a huge success for year number one, and and Mark and his his to his all his entire crew, I think deserve a lot of credit. And we'll wrap up the awards here with the Tom Borelli Award, the Media Person of the Year. Mm. And uh, shout out to Lacrosse Flash for a clean sweep on this one. Mm. We love that. <laughs> Hatches Gregoire, Pat Gregoire, of course of TSN, the Halifax Thunderbirds color, and co-host of the Off the Crossbar podcast. One Teddy Jenner. Good Victoria boy, uh, TSM play-by-play, and the other co-host of the Off the Crossbar podcast, and our boy Adam Levy. Jeez, who who does he not write for? Inside Lacrosse, NLLPA, NLL.com, uh, does stuff on Flash as well, uh, and he's got his podcast, the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. Uh, this is another one with no wrong answer, I think, but uh, who are you, who you taking here? Well, yeah, obviously, congrats to all three of these guys. Very deserving finalists and, and nominees. Uh, congrats to everybody. Uh, you know, I, from from every award nominee, just to be nominated is an honor. To be a finalist even more so and to win is is massive. Uh, so congrats to everybody that, that made the cut here. And, you know, I, I was talking about this in our, in our chat group a little bit, Tino, that I think the... The voting process and how it all works, there needs to be a little fine-tuning because I felt like there were, there's no easy way to say this. Like on, on the Borelli list in particular, I felt there were some people on there that probably didn't belong on there. And I felt like there was a bunch of people that did belong on there that weren't even there. So we got to find a way and, and get to a place where I think we, we can kind of correct that. With that being said, these three guys are are fantastic at what they do. They promote the league and and fly the flag high as can be and shine it in the best light. 
and grow the game to the best of their abilities at what they do. And and they all deserve to be recognized and, and to be in the in the finalist category here for a very uh, esteemed award named after Tom Borelli, who was a newspaper writer in Buffalo way back when. I've been lucky enough to win this thing a couple of times, Tino. I would like to almost see a new person win this award each year. I think there's enough people around our league where we can recognize somebody new and deserving each year in this. And and I'm kind of going to stick with that category and pick Pat and Teddy have both won one of these already. Um, and, and they'll probably win more as the years go by here. I have no doubt about that. But this year, what Adam Levy has done, you know, not only with his podcast and and his writing, but his social media present. Like, I don't know how many hours this guy spends looking up stats and and tweeting things out. Like, he's got the blue check mark, so he can just like write an essay essentially in a tweet. But he's, you know, he's been cranking out gold all season long as far as milestones and stats and history. Um, and then the podcast and the writing and, and all that on top of that. So for a guy that didn't know a whole lot about box lacrosse and the National Lacrosse League when when he came here to Vancouver, uh, to turn himself into what he is now and, and to know how hard and, and how much time he puts into it, Adam Levy is my guy. And, and I really hope Adam would know, again, you know, uh, no disrespect to to Teddy or, or or Patty, but for me, it's Adam Levy this year, buddy. Yeah, uh, I mean, shocker. I, I don't disagree with you. I feel like I've said that so many times here. Um, I think it's really important what you said there about how there are so many candidates that are are left off the list. Um, and uh, our our boy Ty Marrow as well. He had a really interesting point that he had on Twitter. I think it was last year and it got brought up again today with all the nominations coming out about how the, this category could almost be separated into a bunch of different categories or yeah. a few different categories, at yeah. least in terms writers of writers like, and broadcasters. Exactly. Which, which, yeah, I would love to see that, but um, yeah. And I'll just say about, about Adam as well. Adam is one of the most, is one of the friendliest people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, And, and to be completely honest, like we don't even know each other that well. Like I've only met Adam a couple of times. We've talked on the phone a couple of times here and there. That guy is so quick to, if he's having people over at his place, Hey, come on out. Like we're having people over. He always takes time to like, whenever I see him to like, ask me how I'm doing or ask me like, Hey, like how's your podcast going on and stuff like that. Like, so Adam is, is just the best, but um, I'm going with Teddy in this case. Um, again, no disrespect to anybody here. Teddy just adds a level of excitement to his broadcast and he does so much to promote the game as so many broadcasters around the league do. Um, so I think this is going to be Teddy's year in my call. It very well could be, and it wouldn't be a wrong choice if it was. So good luck to all the finalists. Uh, that's kind of who Tino and I are thinking deserves to win, but, uh, the voters will tell the tale at the end of the day. Tino, we're, what are we? We're half an hour in. We went through the awards. We haven't even talked about the games here yet. We're going to talk a lot about the Buffalo series with, with Steve Dietrich next quarter, so maybe we don't spend a ton of time on on the two Toronto Buffalo games that happened on the weekend, but two other games went down as well. One of them on Thursday in Denver, Colorado, and this was a wacky one, man. Uh, eight seven, the final as uh, Colorado comes back to win this game, 
and do it off the strength of some power play goals here as the penalty total 7-2 in favor of Denver or against Calgary, whichever way you want to look at it. And, and the Mammoth made the most of it in this low-scoring, goaltending duel between Delves and Dill. Um, this was a heck of a lacrosse game to watch. 8-7, say what you want. Sign me up for this all the time. This was this was about as entertaining of a playoff game as you could get. <laughs> I was just going to say, we as lacrosse fans are being robbed that this is not allowed to be a seven-game series. Yeah. This both of the, I mean, both of these games, I know we're talking about the one on Thursday, but but both of these are one goal games. They're so tight. They come right down to the end. Um, in this first one on Thursday, it looked early like Calgary was putting themselves in a really dominant position. But of course, here comes playoff Colorado, just a just a different breed playoff Dylan Ward, like we talked about on last episode, just a different breed. And then the penalties started to roll in and late penalties, especially. I mean, there was the one to Tanner Cook where he I think he he threw someone's stick. Um, I mean, I don't know what's going through his mind right there. That's just like you got to have better situational situational awareness there. Obviously, he's aware of that. There was some real uncharacteristic penalties from a very normally a very disciplined and focused Calgary team. It almost seemed like they got out of sorts a little bit there in that game one. Yeah, and and you even saw like I think you saw exactly that um, very like uncharacteristic kind of frustration almost throughout the bulk of the team. When you even see like after Connor Robinson's, I think it was the game what ended up being the game winning goal in the power play. You see like Christian Del Bianco is like livid with the officials, um, and, and like at the end of the game as well, walking towards the Calgary bench and still like jawing at the officials kind of thing, which is pretty uncharacteristic we don't see that kind of uh i mean we see emotion out of delves but we don't see it in in that kind of way no, and that that's often. when you know that you know something maybe was a little bit off there right and some pretty stern words in the post-game comments from kermalowski as well you know regarding the officiating and you know he didn't understand some of the calls and maybe the the referees need to kind of go back and watch some tape themselves and hold themselves accountable they're there were some pretty poignant words there from from Kurt, and I don't know if that translated over into Game Two's mindset coming from the Zebras or not. But you know, kind of a masterclass on on how to say things without actually saying them. Like I don't know if there's a fine coming this way or not, but I think he would take it, even if it was. The other thing that that Calgary did not have on Thursday, of course, was was Tyler Pace in their lineup, which he made his return. On Saturday, and you know, immediate impact here from from Tyler Pace, and with Buffalo sitting in the finals, you just gotta wonder: like, two out of the three are gonna be in Buffalo, and is that gonna be the difference for the Roughnecks if they're the team to make it out of the West? Pace puts up seven in a in a you know, like you said, thirteen, twelve, one goal victory here for Calgary, but the offense just looks completely different with sixty eight running the show on the right side. 100%. And it's important to remember as well, like part of the struggles in game one, I thought for, for Calgary's offense, I mean, Jesse King wasn't able to find the back of the net and he only had two points on the night. Um, I don't know how much of his 
eight point performance in game two has to do with Tyler Pace being added to the lineup or how much of that is just for sure a lot. But I mean, Jesse King, generally speaking, is going to get his points regardless of who's in the lineup. I think you just add another quarterback on the other side of the floor when Pace is in the lineup and it makes such a difference. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's on everybody's mind if Calgary can get through. I mean, they still have a game three to deal with here. But you notice the adjustment in game two with, like I said, like another quarterback in Tyler Pace being on the other side of the floor. You you notice the adjustment so quickly in how they're trying to line up these really outside one-timers where they're almost goading Dylan Ward to take that high arc and come out to a shooter and then swing that pass over to either King or pace for ideally a wide open net on a one-timer. I think most teams are trying to exploit that as much as they can against the mammoth. Like I, I, we see Vancouver do that. We've seen other teams try it and it's successful when it works, but it's such a, you know, not to get too technical, it's such a low percentage pass to try and get through that defense. Like, if you can get it through, more often than not, it'll probably work, but it's a very difficult look to get consistent. Yeah, and the other thing as well, I mean, like, I don't want to I don't want to ride too much on the penalties for it to talk about here, but you, you talked about them in game one. I, I think they were, like, seven to two in favor of Colorado. They were, they were like, they were like five to four in this game. So way more even. And And that's typically what you'll see in a playoff game. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think they were kind of letting the boys play a lot in this one, but this game three is going to be unbelievable lacrosse. Yeah. I can't wait, man. Uh, going to be fun. Saturday night from Calgary. Be on TSN, so make sure you tune in to that. As uh, Tino, the Buffalo Bandits will get to sit back and rest for a week. That's huge. And they'll get to, to watch this game three of the comfort of their own homes and, and see who their opponent's going to be as they disposed of the Toronto Rock. And I, I'm still a little dumbfounded on what the hell actually happened here like whether Toronto just picked the worst weekend that they could have to play their poorest lacrosse or whether Buffalo who who finished number one in the overall one seed but it almost seemed like they just took their their whole game to new heights like I it was like playoff bandits are here so I don't know if it was like a combination of of the two or or what like you know some guys defensively really struggled for Toronto like I'm not going to sit here and point fingers and call out names but you know it just it wasn't what we had watched all year from the back end out of Toronto and sometimes when when the defense isn't going well it direct, it has a direct impact on the offense not being able to get rhythm and consistency as well and it almost seemed like Toronto just kind of played right into the hands of the bandits here. And, and Matt Vince, who again, you know, is just ridiculous. Like it's absolutely ridiculous what this guy is doing right now as he allows what 13 goals in two games and Buffalo puts up 31 on the Toronto rock. I, I did not see this two-game sweep coming, and to do it in that fashion, 
That is eye-popping stuff, and the Bandits got to feel pretty good about themselves after a real successful weekend. Yeah, big shocker uh, a couple of days after I said that I'm taking Toronto because sometimes the Buffalo offensive unit can go cold. Shocker, <laughs> they score 31 goals in their next two games. Ha-ha, <laughs> everybody laughing, Tino's face. Yeah, like you talked about how um, sometimes like when things aren't going well on the offensive side of the floor, like it affects the defensive side and vice versa. I think with every passing play, as things aren't going the way that you're wanting them to go or needing them to go, every play gets that much more like the desperation level goes up more and more. And sometimes that can be a really healthy thing for a team. In some cases that can be, you know, pretty well, devastating to a team. It can be detrimental to a team. Well, here's um, what happens. It, it because when that happens, guys start going, okay, I'm going to be the guy here. Exactly. I'm going to take it on. I'm going to be the guy to, to take the shot, score the goal, put the team on my back. And instead of playing as a, a five-man unit and sharing the ball and creating good scoring opportunities by moving your feet and moving the ball, it gets stuck in sticks and you get double teamed and you get a flog from the outside and the snowball just keeps getting bigger. And that's not really a circumstance that, that Toronto has really had to deal with all year. We've been talking about how well built this Toronto team is and how well they play together. And, and not, this is not taking any of that away. I still think they're an incredibly well built team, but this was kind of new territory for them in terms of being dominated like this two games in a row. And exactly what you said, when the desperation level gets higher, all of a sudden guys that, that level of, or that thought of coming onto the floor and saying, okay, like I, I need to score here. I need to get the boys going. And then the ball dies in one player stick. And all of a sudden the, the defense for the Buffalo bandits, you know, that you're playing right into their hand at this at that time. Yeah. Here's the deal. Like I, I think if both these teams are at their best playing their best lacrosse, this series could go either way. But in this two game set here, Toronto was far from their best and Buffalo might have been playing better than what I expected their best to be. And that's the result you're going to get 31 to 13 in two games. It's uh, it's a, that's a tough one to swallow for yeah, Toronto. I feel, you know, season. I was, I had to check in on Jamie and he might not even want to listen to this episode with Chugger being on and it's going to be a lot of bandits talk. And I, you know, sent him a text and just kind of said, mental health check, my man, like how, how we doing? He said he was doing all right. He was, you know, out of Jay's game and trying to shake it off. So he'll be back. They'll be back. I mean, that team's not going anywhere, man. It's, uh, it's going to be as, as good or not better. Like he's going to find a way to improve that team. I have no doubt about it. Like he knows what the, what the level is that they need to get to. And it's the Buffalo bandits who are back in the finals again, haven't won since 08, Tino. They've been knocking on the door. I don't know how many times we'll ask Chugger about it in the next quarter, but I don't know. Like, if they play like that, I don't care if it's Calgary and Colorado combined together. Nobody's beating the Bandits if they play like that. But to be fair, that's what everybody was kind of saying with Colorado in the finals well, last year. I'm saying if they play like they played against the Toronto Rock, I don't think they did that against the Mammoth, and maybe that's credit to the Mammoth. But I'm saying if Buffalo plays like they did this weekend against Toronto, neither one, Calgary or Colorado, is beating that team. That's why we play the game, baby. There you go. That's uh, 
that's your quick recap there of, of a big semifinal weekend. Game three coming up this weekend. We'll talk more about that in quarter number four. But now, Tino, you better settle up, partner. We're heading for the Stampede Stables. Nay! Nay! <laughs> Nay! I feel like a good one. Yeah. Uh, Stampede <laughs> Tack in Western Wear. I helped you out there. Stampede Tack in Western Wear Stables out there in Cloverdale. Highway 10 and 180th. Uh, there's no actual stables there, but that's where Stampede Tack in Western Wear is located. You can head out there for all your Western Wear and Tack needs. They've been there since 1966. Or you can hop online at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local. Belts, boots, jeans, buckles, hats, lassos, saddles, spurs, bolas. They got it all. Stampede.ca. Uh, check him out. Proud sponsors of the Stampede Stallion of the Week. Tina, you finally picked up a win last week, and I can't even hate because I, you know, I felt like Mickey was was the right choice, and patches confirmed. So I think because you won last week, and you always get the advantage because you get to go first, and sometimes you pick <laughs> my stallion, and then I have to like think on the fly. And this this week was not too difficult for me though, and I don't even like care what the. The save percentage was, the goals against, the, the, it doesn't matter. Uh, Matt Vince, what's he done, Tino? Eight goaltenders of the year. He's in the finals again for goaltender of the year. Championships. He's done it all, and this this weekend, I'm telling you, might have been his virtuoso performance here. Like, this was maybe the best I've seen Matt Vince look. 13 goals against in two games against a loaded rock team and bandits are back in the finals. Matt Vince, maybe the most fit athlete in the national Cross league is my stampede stallion of the week. Uh, and like, I mean, he had 33 saves in their, in their like series win on Saturday, 52 on Friday night. Like these, even though the scores are, are pretty lopsided, like these aren't light games necessarily for Matt Vince. He's still seeing a ton of rubber here. Listen, um, if you can get into a position where you can rest Matt Vince down the stretch of a semifinal playoff game, come on. That's yeah, a pretty, uh, pretty big advantage. Like the pick a lot. Um, I got to go back a little bit here to, uh, some of the episodes when Brad was filling in, mm. uh, while I was moving, because he, he made this point that I, I had kind of forgot about. And I, I think it gets kind of, it gets lost a lot when we're talking about the stallions, Brad mentioned that, you know, in the infancy of this stallion of the week, um, uh, idea, the idea was to, to 
bring some attention towards like the grit grinders that are out there that aren't necessarily True. putting up a ton of points kind of thing. And, and I've been thinking about that a lot. I can uh, see my buddy Shane Budnick just nodding his head in approval right now, just smiling ear to ear. Anyways, <laughs> continue on. Um, so I was trying to take that a lot into consideration when making my pick from this weekend, because like you look and there's a ton of uh, point totals, um, just some really easy candidates if that's what you're looking at. But I'm going to go with Eli Salama, mm. who didn't have a single point the entire weekend, but um, he's had so seven, he's so seven good. caused turnovers uh, in, in the win on Saturday. He had three in, in the loss on, uh, on Thursday. Uh, but it's hard to say he rivals Zach Courier for loose balls because I don't really think anybody well, that's does. That's who I but... almost gave my pick to this week. And yeah, like, maybe yes. I could have or should have. I don't know. But like, I, mean, I feel that's a bit balls. of a cop Ridiculous. Here. But just when you watch these Calgary games, it's, it's impossible. Well, I don't know. For me, it's hard to imagine how this Calgary team functions defensively if Eli Salama isn't out there as much as he is. He, I mean, when Zach Courier isn't running the transition – uh, a lot of the times, I mean, Shane Simpson is another candidate as well, but Eli Salama is clear machine, automatic clear. And not only that, like there were a, a few opportunities or a few uh, offensive opportunities in this past game on, on Saturday when Calgary's trying to go for a two for one kind of situation to close out a quarter. Eli Salama is the one that runs up the ball. They get their shot and he's digging for that loose ball. He just played a defensive shift, got the ball up. Calgary gets a shot and he's the one in the corner now trying to battle to get that extra possession there. And in one of the cases on Saturday night, it worked out. Um, the turn of the, the, the penalty that he got called on at center when he was about to take off on a breakaway. Yeah, that that was tough. But uh, yeah, I just, uh, I love watching this Calgary defense play. And, and one of the guys that I love watching on that back end is Eli Salama. And I think he kind of gets lost in that category of guys that don't get a ton of credit. Good Coquitlam boy, Tino wore the purple and gold his junior career. We'll probably see him with the Langley Thunder this summer as well. And uh, I wouldn't hate it if Patches picked Eli Salama because I think he deserves, he, I think he's been in the Stallion uh, stables before, but but uh, could easily go back in. Regardless, we'll see. Matt Vance and Eli Salama. Welcome to the stable. You're this week. Stampede Stallions of the Week. Tino. Monster quarter number one. We're just getting started here in EP 235. Chugger, general manager of the Buffalo Bandits, Steve Dietrich, NLL Hall of Famer, is up next here on Lax Class. Hey guys, it's Paul Dawson, and you're listening to Last Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. We're into quarter number two, and if you didn't know by now, quarter number two is always brought to you by the good folks at Rycor Construction. Rycor, they make it stand out, whether it's interior or exterior renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, fencing, decks, whatever the case may be. Give them a call, and they will make it stand out for you. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Check out their website, Inc. And you can see their work. They got all the contact information you need. And, uh, man, if you're doing any kind of renovations, this is a no-brainer. Rycor Construction, they make it stand out. Speaking of standing out, Santino, uh, the Port Coquitlam Junior A Saints are standing out in the standings 
Top the table at 4-0, and uh, the heir to the throne of Rycourt, Joshie Mills, uh, a big reason why. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he's probably going to hate that I'm mentioning this, but uh, at least as, as of a couple days ago, he was leading the league in penalty minutes too. So, <laughs> I'm calling the game Friday night in Poco. It's the first game I'm doing of the summer. and uh, Oh, you're going to love it. Could not be more excited about it. So uh, buckle up for that, people. Let's welcome uh, a man who has uh, been standing out in the National Lacrosse League for quite some time. First as a, as a goaltender, now as an executive and a coach. Uh, back on the podcast, one of our favorite guests, general manager and defensive coach of the East champion Buffalo Bandits, Steve Dietrich. Chugger, welcome back to Lax Class, man. How's things? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I just heard you talk about your Junior A-League. How's my boy Sammy LaRue's team? I don't even know what team he plays for. Yeah, Junior Lakers for Sammy LaRue. And uh, put it this way, Chugger, I would expect maybe a trade deadline deal to a contender for uh for mr larue when when the time comes so this isn't a mental cup contender it's early and you know everybody's kind of missing bodies at school and and what have you still but uh i think once the the cream rises to the top the the lakers might be you know looking up a little bit hey they just had a battle with victoria that that was a close game over they're they're much improved from where they have been for you know since their dynasty years they there was some dark days there for a long time but uh they're on the uptick and uh you know the larue boys not just one but both of them uh, a big reason for that so uh bright future ahead of that kid no doubt about it uh what about you man well you're chilling in in kitchener the the junior a season's getting going there tonight as well right yeah, it starts tonight. The Braves don't start tonight, I don't believe. But, uh, yeah, the season gets going, and it'll be good to start seeing. We get a lot of the games on YouTube. I think the OJLL games are on YouTube, so yeah. I'll be able to catch some of those games. So, yeah, looking forward to, to seeing uh, who's going to come out on top. I think it's going to be wide open out here this year, so it, uh, it'll it make for some interesting games. For and sure. Minto Cup in Edmonton, Alberta, of course. So, um, you know, uh, the Miners will be making a run at it, too. I don't even know, man, like, not, we're going to talk Buffalo Bandits here momentarily, but as far as Kitchener goes, is it like 45 minutes outside of Toronto, like every other suburb in Ontario? What's around you as far as Kitchener goes? Like, what's the next closest Junior A town to you? Oh, geez. Well, <clears throat> Burlington, Oakville, Orangeville, like all those, all those places are probably 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, we're about an hour... Um, east of toronto i guess you would say okay uh so we're not we're not we're not that bad so we're right in the middle of everything you know lacrosse basically high end when you say junior a and up ends around this area like you get down to london london's got a powerful program building up but i think there's still junior b and then when you get past that you have sarnia and places like that that are still junior b so kitchener might be the farthest uh west team i guess you could say in in junior a how long does it take to get to buffalo uh about two hours so it's it's not that bad depending on traffic usually when we head down on a friday afternoon you're going through hamilton um and just over the skyway uh probably right around time that people are getting off of work but yeah you're normally after the game it's probably about an hour and 40 now and 45 on the way down it might be 215 so if you you know time it right. put them together let's yeah. call it yeah let's put her about two hours okay 
Um, all right, let's move on to the bandits here, shall we? We were talking earlier in the show during our, our recap about just like the dominant performance hey, you guys on, put on. Tino. I got to get a, a hard hitting question <laughs> in here before. Oh, we... okay, good. Was just uh, the people are, I know, want to know this, Chugger. Was there post game pizza in either Buffalo <laughs> or Hamilton this weekend? I, I have to ask this. Did either team provide a post game meal this weekend? Well, that's a great question, John. Oh, yes. No way. You guys set this up. That's garbage. You mentioned pizza. You mentioned pizza. I got to say it's a great question. Yeah. Um, no, there was no pizza. That was a bet last year that, that Jamie, although it took him, I think, three games, yeah. finally came through. So Jamie came through last year. But, no, I think both, both um, you know, Mike Hancock and Scott Loeffler on our side set up a good meal for both teams after the game. So okay. it, w- it was pr- it was pretty well done. And I will say for the hatred that it is perceived to be on the floor, yeah. uh, both organizations seem to respect each other and treat each other fairly well. Uh, off yeah, just full disclosure here, like you and Jamie have, have talked since the series has ended. You talked even today, in fact, right? Yeah, we've, I'll give Jamie credit. Like, I, I'm like, you know, I'm like Mouse in the fact that if, if we would have lost that series, uh, I'd probably still be underground. But, um, you know, Jamie, Jamie's a, a, a different breed. You know, he's a, he's a man's man. And Sunday morning he called me, and I'm sure it wasn't a call he wanted to make. But, um, you know, he called me. He's a good guy. And, uh, listen, man, the, the, the score of that series wasn't indicative of, of what really went on. Um, that's two great lacrosse teams, two hard nosed lacrosse teams that went at it. Um, you know, they're very well coached, you know, JT does a great job with us and, and so does Eric Vince and, you know, I ride their coattails, but other than that, you know, yeah, the scores looked like it was a bit, um, on the lopsided, but you know, it was, it was a lot closer than, than the scores would indicate that it was. Yeah, so Jake, thank God you interrupted me for the pizza question. Thank that was yeah. uh, crucial. Thank you. Uh, got me, got <laughs> well, I, would, I mean, you kind of ran through it a little bit there, uh, but I, I generally I was just going to ask what was your kind of assessment of the series as a whole? I mean, you just talked about how lopsided the score was, but how that didn't necessarily or that doesn't necessarily do a great job of describing how much of a battle the series was. So now that you guys are a couple of days removed, what is your general assessment of the series? Yeah, Tino, basically, you know, I'm not going to stray too much from what I just said, but on Friday, you know, Friday's game, I think it was a real close game. You know, they blend together. So, so forgive me if I'm off on this, but I think it was a real close game and we went on a bit of a run and, you know, then we basically. Bit of a run, Chugger. Seven goals, man. Come on. Okay. Was it seven? I, I, yeah. Like I say, Jumbo, they bleed, they bleed together. So we went on a bit of a run Friday night and, you know, and then we hung on and, and played well in the second half. And then, you know, Saturday's game was another battle. And, you know, you look at it, I think from, and, and Jamie and I have talked about this, you look at it from, I think about the 950 mark of the second quarter, it was 4-4, we go on a power play, and within five minutes, we've scored seven goals. So if you take that, even, even if you want to say that that five-minute penalty is a two-minute penalty, you know, we're talking about a different lacrosse game, right? Because Challenge's not sitting in the box for five minutes. And, you know, even if we score on the power play, it's 5-4, and they're getting their best player back. So, you know, that five minutes huge, decided a huge, lacrosse game. Huge, Hey, like, yeah. so, and that was so, so out, like of, say, so out of character close. for him, too, Chucker. Like, just seemed like his wires got crossed there for a second. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, it, it's one of those where if you look back, 
Um, it's a bang bang play, and it's a bang bang call as as a referee. If you look back at it, you slow it down. Is it a five minute major? I don't know. You know what I mean? It looks like he, he challenged a big strong. He sold it pretty he looks, good. He snapped the head. Yeah, he back. looks like he hit. Yeah. Looks like he hits Martin pretty well in the chest, but then he flies back. And, and I'm not trying to even say he sold it, Jumbo. I just challenged well, I'll a strong say it. I'll kid. Say so it. I know you're not gonna say it. I'll <laughs> say it. So you know, like that that call that call basically. And I'm not trying to say we wouldn't have won or we would have won or it would have been closer or it would have been lopsided. But that call could have changed the outlook of the game. Like yeah. you get, you have Toronto's best player sitting in the box for five minutes and all of a sudden it goes from 4-4 to 11-4. And, and Challen, Challen is one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. And to watch him, you know, on the replay, as they, as they always do, sit there and constantly show him on TV after every goal goes in, He's he's basically dying in the penalty box, yeah. and and you're and you're almost dying along with him. Yep. Rewatching the game, thinking how how bad you feel for the kid because you know how much of a class uh, individual challenge is. He's just thinking, of, what the hell did I just do? Is what he's thinking. Uh, you tell me this, Steve Dietrich. Who's a better goaltender, Matt Vince or Steve Priolo? <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I I will give our guys, and I'll I'll preface this by saying I don't know if they block shots because they like blocking shots, or if they're afraid of Matt uh, yelling at them, picking them up, and throwing. He got them the, the stance going. He got the shot. stick down between the legs. He kicked out the like he. That wasn't the first time Priello's played a little backyard goaltender. No, and and you know Bryce Sweeting and Ethan O'Connor do the same thing on our man short. So. Um, you know, we, we, right now we have a lot of guys that are, are paying the price defensively. Um, you know, like, like I say, uh, that was a great save by pre, by the way, you know, and Vino will want to make sure that he got credit for that, but it was a great save by pre, but, um, you know, the, the job that, uh, Ethan O'Connor and Bryce Sweeting do on the back of our box with the way they're positioned and they're just sitting there soaking shots. It's, it's unbelievable because I remember back when I played jumbo near the end of my career, I tried to have the ball not hit me as much as possible. And I was actually good at that <laughs> near the end of my career. And these guys are trying to soak it without equipment on. Well, so listen, like, wow. I want to ask you about this because um, I don't know. You remember Kyle Arbuckle? Yeah. So yep. he's played, the, with, played with Arbuckle. Yeah. So he's, he's on this, this Facebook group that I keep tabs on from time to time and, and Bo- Bandits Mafia by the way got a hold of this thing and kind of let Buck uh, have it a little bit but he, he posted up some pictures and kind of brought something up and I know you're not going to give away your playbook here but he posted up a few pictures of the structure of the Bandits defense and how tightly packed all five guys were on that defense and brought up the fact that you know this is kind of boring lacrosse in that, you know, basketball restricts guys playing defensively in the key for longer than three seconds and that lacrosse needs to change. This this isn't good for the game. But Tino and I were just talking about how Toronto kind of played right into your hands defensively by shooting the ball from the outside exactly where Matt Vince wants to see shots coming from. I don't even know where I'm going with all this, Steve, but that defensive structure in, in Buffalo was pretty damn impressive over two games. Was that something new, a new wrinkle that you guys put in, or was it just kind of dialed up a little bit for Toronto? No, I think it was just uh, probably dialed up a little bit with Toronto. And, you know, you, you basically try and play the defensive style that, that A, suits your goaltender, which, you know, Vino likes shots from a certain area. But then you also have to go against what you're playing against, right? So 
I, I thought we pressured the players that we wanted to pressure and, you know, we stayed tight on the guys that we wanted to stay tight and we forced them to, well, at least we tried to force them to areas that, that we wanted them in. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what Buckle's talking about, uh, but, you know, cause I'm not on any, as you know, I'm not any of those, on those social media stuff. So um, I, I don't know, man, we're just, we're just trying to do whatever we can to win a championship. So uh, we're going to try and do what we can. That's going to make our goaltender comfortable. And, and um, you know, if that's packing it in, that's packing it in. If it's spreading out on certain shooters, it's spreading out. And, you know, hopefully we, we can finally win one and, you know, Buckle can be mad about how we play defense. Well, I was just, we I'm going to let Tito jump back in here, but, you know, you just you just said it there, Chugger. Hopefully we final, finally win one. Uh, what's it been? 08? How many times in the dance with coming up short here? Is this the year for the Bandits? I'll ask you that. And I know you're not going to give me a straight answer here, but I'm going to hope you do anyways. Do you care whether it's you know, to, either way, you're going to, going to end up against a team that, that had your number in the finals in, in recent history. Yeah, it, it, you know, at 16, 19, 22, Gumbo. So, yeah, it's been three. Well, this will be year three in a row. And if you throw in 16, it'll be four out of six. Um, you know, I'm going to give you the cliche answer here. I'm going to tell you it doesn't matter. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter to me because um, Calgary is the one that beat us in 19. and. Colorado's the one that beat us in 22. So uh, I, I just know that both teams will present uh, an unbelievable challenge for us. Um, both have, you know, world-class goaltenders. Uh, Colorado's defense is a little different than Calgary's. Calgary's, you know, like to get out in transition where, you know, Colorado likes to pack it in and let Dylan see every shot up top. And both offenses are very good. So uh, it, it's going to present a, a very, very big challenge for us. Um, Mouse is one of my best friends. So I, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be stepping out on a limb by saying that, you know, I'd love to, to meet him in the finals only because, you know, he's one of my best friends, but by no means am I hoping for Calgary or hoping for Colorado. It would just be sentimental for me if, if it was mouse, that's all. Uh, well, now that you guys are kind of sitting by waiting to see who you guys are going to be playing, um, when does when does the preparation for the next series start for you guys? And, and what does that preparation look like when you're not entirely sure what the matchup is going to be just yet? Yeah, it's hard this week. You know, <clears throat> we've done some video this week, just on our two Toronto games and, and, you know, things that we've done that we did well or mistakes that we made. So we've done that and we'll probably show that Friday night at practice. And then honestly, I'm a superstitious guy, you know, so I won't start preparing anything video wise um until i know who we play uh that being said have i watched uh, a couple calgary games this week yes have i watched a couple colorado games this week yes um more so just as a generalization to get an idea uh we played colorado once this year we haven't played Cal uh, calgary so it's just just as a generalization to get an idea of what they got we won't get too hard and heavy into it until uh, probably sunday morning but um you know it's it's like i say they're we obviously know more about Colorado than we do Calgary, having played them five times in the past, you know, year and a half. That's year and weird, a eh? How that's that's kind of like that. Well, you, you know, the the funny thing is, too, Jumbo and, and Jamie and I were talking about this. So in the last two years, including playoffs, we well, so far we played Colorado five times, we played Toronto ten times, and we haven't played. Calgary, Saskatchewan, Vancouver. I was going to say, when's the last time you played Vancouver? Like, it seems like forever. 
Yeah. So like we have Toronto 10 times and then there's other teams we haven't even played. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of scary and it'd be nice if the league can get some sort of a formula where we're playing everybody. But, um, you know, it, it, it uh, yeah, like I say, it, either team's going to present a problem, Tino, to finish off on your question. And, uh, you know, we'll start in earnest probably Sunday morning. Although there's been some generalization of just watching just to try and get some ideas of, of what certain guys do so that we have a good idea of what we're looking for when we watch next week. Here with Steve Dietrich, general manager, defensive coach for the Buffalo Bandits. And we talked about this a little bit off the top, the, the finalists for the league awards, Steve, and, and the MVP with Christian Del Bianco being on that list. And you know, I made, made note of the, the fact that you, as a goaltender, were the last guy to win MVP as a goalie. Do you think... Christian gets it done this year. And is it high time, Chugger, that another goaltender wins MVP? You know, Jumbo, I'm going to say yes, without a doubt. I think it's high time. I think uh, Christian and Nick Rose both deserve it. And that's not to take anything away from from Dane, who's been unbelievable. And and the year that that Jeff Teed had, uh, unbelievable. I I just think, in my opinion, um, Nick Rose and Christian Del Bianco both were up there both deserved it both statistically wise it was phenomenal um like i think rosie might might have had the best statistics of all time like i think his goal his goals against average might be the lowest ever um so it, it is kind of scary that a goal another goalie has has never won it um and i hope it happens uh you know i don't know christian personally but just from talking to mouse uh he's a throwback and he loves the game and and watches the game and studies the game so um, and I know what Rosie's all about. Rosie's the same way. So it would be great if one of those guys, well, now Christian has the opportunity. It'd be great for Christian to step in here and, and, um, you know, be the next goalie that wins it because you're right. It's almost like the Cy Young in baseball. They're yeah. like, well, goalies have their own award. So they don't, you know, they're not going to be MVP. Well, you know, Christian W. Uncle's had a phenomenal year for, well, let's, uh, let's, Calgary. Let's stick on goaltenders here for a quick second and, and talk about the guy that wears the bandits Jersey and, and number 48, Steve, like, I don't know, man, <laughs> every time I watch this guy, I, I can't help but think that he's getting better, which is just absolutely mind boggling. And, you know, an, another typical regular season for Vino, but I think along with your bandits, that might have been the best two games I've seen the Bandits ever play. And Matt Vince was a big reason why. But I don't know. You tell me about this guy. You watch him day in and day out. What What is it with this guy that lets him continue to do what he is doing? Well, put it to you this way. he He's a guy that probably should have four or five MVP trophies already uh, if it wasn't the bias against the goalies having their own award. And it, and it would have been pretty cool if he would have won one because then my name would always be in the same sentence with him and it would be nice that <laughs> my name would be in the same sentence with him and something. Yeah. Um, but he, Jumbo, I, I don't know. Like, I, I watch the guy. I'm in awe of the guy. Uh, just, like, you think about it. He's a teacher. He's got two young kids. He's a, just an absolute machine when it comes to physical fitness. And he watches more video than, than probably everybody, anybody I've ever talked to. So I, I don't know if that guy's got 36 hours in a day when the rest of us have 24, <laughs> but um, he, he's Unreal. just, he's in a planet all by himself. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, I used to, and I've said this a hundred times, I used to think Bobby Watson was, was the best thing I had ever seen at the position. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I'm still biased. So I'm going to put Bobby on the same pedestal as Matt, 
but um, you know, Matt is just unbelievable, man. He really is. And uh, like he, he's 41 or going to be 41 years old. We were flying back from San Diego and I tried to sign him to a three-year contract extension. <laughs> he laughed at me, but um, like, I, I'd love to he have wouldn't him. Do it. Buffalo. I'm surprised about that. Can. I'm surprised that he wouldn't do that. I think he wants to, every off season, he wants to talk to his wife and his, and he wants to talk about his family his and agent, stuff like that. And, and I respect agent, that. You mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, at, but at the end of the day, like, it's almost like, okay, I look at it two ways. Do you want to be pushed out? Which is how, how I ended my career, which is basically. Who, who pushed done. you out? Thule? No, no. Terry, Terry, Terry Sanderson. Good story. He All called right. me up when I was still with Toronto and he called me up and he said, uh, are you going to come out this year? And I said, sure. He goes, well, let me be honest with you. You might have a better chance of being the goalie coach than you do being the goalie. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be the goalie coach then. So, so there's my tour, my T story, Love but, it. um, but, v, but Vino gets better every year. Yeah, like, just... Do you want, do you want to get pushed out or do you want to go out uh, as still one of the best? So that's the, that's the, the two ways you got to look at it. I hope he wants to go out being pushed out and that yeah. gives me another five or six years with him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you never you never know, right? You never know. He's he's unbelievable, and and he's the backbone of our team, and he's what makes us tick. And yeah, I, I don't know how much more I can say about him. The guy's unbelievable. Uh, I'm glad we're having this MVP discussion because it's a great segue into uh, into what I want to ask you next. Um, last week we talked a lot and this season we've talked a lot about a guy like Ian McKay and how much he's contributed to the Bandits this entire season with the amount of injuries that you guys had and how, you know, like at times it seemed like he was kind of keeping that offense afloat with how he was playing. I mean, even on the defensive end, his transition is unbelievable. And we brought up about how he could probably be getting some MVP consideration this year, or at least a nominee. Um, And then that kind of sparked a debate with one of the group chats I'm in about is Ian McKay, a top 20 player in this league. And I think it's a, it was a super hot debate. It's a very interesting question. Wait a sec. Where's this um, group chat? I don't think I'm in this one, Tino. You might have to <laughs> add me. Yeah. I, have, I have people. Okay. Um, but I would love to hear. I mean, obviously, you're going to be a little bit biased, but I would love to hear your take on that. Do you think Ian McKay, A, gets enough credit within the league? And B, do you think... You know, is he a top 20 player that should be getting some MVP nominations, especially after this year? Okay, well, first off, is Elliot Sakuchi, who's Ian's agent, is he in this group? Because you, you're starting to talk <laughs> you're, like, uh, like his agent. You're, ki- you're killing him in contract negotiations here, Tina. I was worried about uh, him giving you a good Whoops. question, but then you just started pumping Mickey's tires so much. He, now he's losing money, so no chance you're getting one. Yeah, like Sakuchi's going to be all over this next year when we're talking contracts. But, um, you know, I, I, in all, in all honesty, I'm going to jump on with you, Tino. Mickey doesn't get near enough credit. He, if he played out the front door with us, he'd be one of the better, better offensive lefties in the game. Um, but he's so good defensively when he wants to lock in and, and he's so great in transition, you know, Challen Challen might be the, the best all around lacrosse player because we don't ask Dane to play defense. So Challen might be the best all around lacrosse player in our game. And Ian could be right there with Challen. Like Ian can do what Challen does. It's just, you know, JT doesn't ask Ian to do what Toronto asks Challen to do. So like really the only people that are holding Ian back is our coaching staff. Like he could be unbelievable. Uh, and he is great for us. Um, you know, and, and he's a big part of the offense when he goes up there, but he's also a big part of the defense. 
when he's back with us. And, you know, JT and I are arguing on the bench sometimes because JT wants to use him on forward and I still want to use him on defense. So, you know, you <laughs> Does GM Trump, like, do you, do, you, do, you, do you big ball him there in that situation, Sugar? <laughs> like, just remember who your boss is, Tavares. Like, <laughs> No, we always, we always joke. Uh, he always says, I, I can fire you as assistant coach. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I'll fire you as head coach before you fire me as assistant coach. <laughs> But, uh, but no, like you're, you're bang on, you know, Ian doesn't get near the credit he deserves. He's, he's a great player, you know, and, and like I say, if, if, we, if we asked him to do some of the things that Toronto asked Challenge to do, he would be thought in that high of regard. And I'm glad some people are out there finally um, giving some notice because he's never even up for any of these awards. Um, you know, he, he never seems to get credit when guys are talked about. It's always Dane and Josh and, and rightly so, or it's always, you know, pre or Weiser or Vino and, and rightly so, but he almost gets lost in the middle of a guy that, you know, doesn't get talked about enough offensively and doesn't get talked about enough defensively. So I'm, I'm finally glad that there's people like yourself that are out there giving him the credit. Well, there's probably more chugger, right? Like you look at a guy like Justin Martin or, you know, even J Rob and then up front with McCulley and, and what the has been able to accomplish. Like, Dane and Josh are always going to get the, the the spotlight in, in the headlights here, but there are so many pivotal role players on your team that really make the bandits go maybe spotlight, you know, one or two on, on either end of the floor. Well, it's tough to, to start with our offense and not talk about the two gentlemen you just talked about, but um, you know, and it's hard for me to not talk about Chris Cucci who just got, I think six goals yeah. uh, or, or McCulley who just does all the underrated things, but you know, two guys that I'm going to jump on and, and this is no disrespect to Kluch because Kluch knows how much I love him. He's a kitchener boy, but uh, Dehoka and Chase, yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's unbelievable how good those guys can be. Uh, Dehoka gets lost like, like Mickey does. He gets lost in, you know, the, the talent sometimes up there and he's not asked to do much. And I don't even think he's on the first power play and, and there's lots of different things. And then all of a sudden he'll go out and do three absolutely astonishing things to, to, that leads to three goals. And you're like, Oh my God. And then you look at chase. Chase is just a matchup nightmare for anybody. Like chase is a freak of nature. Uh, like there's no fat on the kid. He can run like a deer. He's strong as an ox. And it's almost like chase is laissez faire. I'm okay. Getting nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay. Dane's got his, Dokus got his, Gucci's got his. Gosh, you guys, okay, I'm just going to go score now. Yeah. And that's almost Between what it looks legs. like some nights. Between the legs, yeah. But yeah, anything. It's almost, <laughs> I, and I, you know, you almost wish he would grab the bull by the horn sometimes because I always say this, and it was tough last year because really it came down to him or Connor Fields as to who we were going to protect. And, and I knew Connor was going to go on and do great things, and I'm glad because Connor's a phenomenal kid. And, and I felt, I, and I do feel the same way with Chase. Like if he ever went to another team and became the number one right, or a number one option on that team, he put up the same amount of points as Connor. Like he, he's a he's a 40, 60, 50, 50 well, I was guy trying to will on, a, a on trade to Vancouver, Chuck. I don't know if you were listening. I was trying to like <laughs> manufacture that uh, in in your brain, subliminal messages there. But I guess uh, I didn't quite pan no, out. Chase, like listen, man, Chase is such a huge important part of our team, and like like I say, he's a matchup nightmare. Like you you want to start pressuring us out on the uh, you know somewhere outside, and then you got Dane. And his athleticism, Chase, and his athleticism, and then Coke is just pure bullness. Like a get out of my way, um, you know that that's pretty good on that side. And then you have the little rabbit, uh, Bucky, that just gets oh, every loose ball. So, 
yeah, like Bucky, and I didn't not mean to mention Bucky, but he's the forgotten guy, and yet he does the most important uh, thing. With exactly. he, he runs around and gets all the loose exactly. balls to give to these guys. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I gave him my my sportsmanship award. I think maybe teammate of the word. I can't remember. But one guy I want to mention just before we let you go here, Steve, and uh, you know, I saw saw the press. Scotty Loeffler put out a tweet about about John Gertler and the Tom Borelli Award. After you know, named after a, a Buffalo News reporter, and you know, I was so happy to to see Ripper and Rochester finally get his uh, well deserved Tom Borelli Award. And you know, truth be told here, and very candidly, I vote for John Gertler for the Tom Borelli award every single year, because I think the guy deserves one ever so much for what he has done over the course of his career and for this league. And it, I think it is absolutely criminal that John Gertler has never won the Borelli award. And that's why I vote for him every single year. And I'll continue to do that until they take my vote away. But 350 games for the living legend, John Gertler, who is going back to another NLL Finals on the radio side. Talk about this guy and what he means to the organization. I've, I've had a chance to, to sit down and have a couple of pops with John. This guy, is, this guy is an absolute beaut and a legend, but you obviously know him much more than I do. You know, honestly, the way, the way you just talked about him, it gave me goosebumps a little bit. Um... And I get a little emotional when we talk about Gertie because he is a guy, and really everything you just said, right? And I, what I'm about to say is I don't want to take, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody that's ever won that award. No disrespect. Everybody's well-deserving, and I'm glad different people have won it. But it's an injustice that John Gertler has not won that award yet. Um, he's been with us. Geez, he was our our play by play guy when I was on the team, and that would have been early two thousand. Three hundred fifty so, consecutive games, man. Yeah, and you know he's a guy that that um, I get to spend a lot of time with because you know I, I like to to walk on a treadmill in the morning. It's more superstition some nights than it is wanting to, um, but yet he's there every morning, and and he's back there on on his elliptical machine, and he's practicing names. And he's asking about information, and and it's it's just so wrong that this guy is is basically the godfather of broadcasting in, in our league. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been doing our games, and and you know, obviously I'm a bit biased, but I'll put us up there as a, the premier franchise. So he's been doing play by play for the premier franchise in this league for a lot of years. Uh, he's on the road, he's at home, he's been sick, and he does it. He hasn't been feeling well, and he does it. He's had family issues and he still does it. And it's just wrong that he doesn't get the accolades that he deserves. Um, I know he knows how well respected and well thought of he is within our organization. He's, you know, he travels with us. He's at our shoot arounds. He's at our practices. You know, Gertie, just like Chris Swenson, are members of our team, right? They're members of our family. So we, we don't treat them any differently. Uh, and the fact that he hasn't, uh, you know, yeah, it, it's just wrong. You know, then, I, I can't say any more than, yeah. than that. And then on top of that, he's got those anchors and Buchanan and Mernsey and Burmo, like dragging him down and somehow manages to rise above. Yeah, you know, him and Mernsey were always a good pair. <laughs> like half the, half the time you were, want, you were wondering upstairs what they were doing. Like, are they, are they, 
are they talking about what they're going to do at the bar after the game or are they calling the game? Because sometimes the game's going on and the, <laughs> yeah. another horn's going and we've scored and they're still talking about three goals ago. Yeah. But, um, you know, there, you got to admit, I, though, I he, that the, 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 my, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago, but you must have seen the the old Buffalo Bandits hidden ball trick with Tavares and, and his call. Like he's got no idea where the ball is, but he still <laughs> he still manufactures just an unbelievable call of the goal. You know what? I look, I, I liken him. See, Joe, I'm sure you might be more Jim Robson, but I grew up loving Bob Cole. Yeah. And and it got to the end where, you know, Bob was saying the name's wrong. Yeah. And he was, you know, but he, it was Bob's voice. And that's the way I look at it with Gertzie. Yeah. Gertzie can be doing this when he's 90. And I don't care if he's saying the name's wrong. Me it either, doesn't man. matter to me. It's just that'll be the voice. Me and as long as I'm hearing either. that voice, then I'm happy. Downtown Buffalo. <laughs> Jugger, man, as always, this was fantastic. Uh, enjoy the well-earned bye week. And uh, best of luck, whoever you match up with in the NLL finals. And I truly hope that we can have you back on when uh, you lift that trophy up over your head, my man. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, guys. It'd be nice to have me on one time with Dalek. So then yeah. I can go right at Dalek okay. if we can ever get us on together. Right, that Tino, would be yes. right. Thanks, guys. I, I, You're out, Tino. I always appreciate it, fellas. Right. There he is, uh, general manager, defensive coach of the East champion, Buffalo Bandits, who will take on the winner of the Calgary Roughnecks and Colorado Mammoth as they will play game three this Saturday night and a right to face the Bandits in the finals. It's going to be a lot of fun. That was a great conversation. It's time for halftime here, though, on EP 235. We're back with quarter number three right after this. Stay classified. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Jordan McIntosh, and you're listening to Lax Class. Halftime is over. Quarter three is now underway. It's brought to you by Associated Labels and Packaging. Best in the business when it comes to labels and packages. They focus on people, ethics, and quality. And, of course, family-owned. Right here in my hometown of Coquitlam, over 43 years of experience in the label and packaging business. Associated LP, that stands for Labels and Packages, .com, Associated Labels and Packages. Are your people uh, here in quarter three? We always like to ask the classmates to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done yet that yet. Review the podcast five stars only, please, if you haven't done that yet. And then give us a follow on social media as well at Lacrosse Classified on Insta, at Lax Class on Twitter. We got a Facebook page. We got an email address that is lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. And uh, Tino is at Ferratino. I am at PXP for sports. Give us a follow and stay plugged in to the show as we move along. Uh, speaking of the show, Tino, I forgot to get this in earlier. Uh, went up to, to Squamish on Monday morning to, to play around disc golf and just popped across the street to the local Chevron uh, prior to going to gas up. And I'm sitting there, and then, you know, this worker guy kind of pulls into the lot. There's some landscapers doing their thing in the parking lot as well. And and this guy, like, grabs these, like, orange cones. I, I guess he's, like, the you know, the, the, the guy that fills up, like, the reservoir tanks or whatever. 
And all of a sudden, the landscapers start yelling at this guy. Hey, like, put those cones back. Those are our cones. And the guy turns, and he's like, no, they're not. These are my cones, buddy. Like, I don't. your cones are, like, behind the building or something. These are my cones. So I'm kind of listening to this debate going down over orange cones at 8 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, the guy kind of turns towards my car. I undo my window. I'm like, big cone scandal this morning. <laughs> and he's like, what? I said, oh, a little drama with the cones, I said. And he goes, yeah. He goes, hang on a second. He goes, aren't you Jake Elliott? And I said, I said, yeah. I said, you are? He goes, he goes oh, I listen to your podcast sometimes. <laughs> so there you go. So another uh, podcast classmate encounter right here in the, the city of Poco at the local Chevron. I thought that was Should have signed the cone for him. Yeah, I said, well, I, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I got to mention this on, on next week's show. So hopefully he's, uh, he's tuned in. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, cone guy. Yeah. All right, Tino, quarter three, time for Lax Class Locks. Locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hear by the club, lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. All right, Lax Class Locks brought to you by CoolBet Canada. CoolBet.com. Stay cool. God, stay cool right now. That is uh, key in life. But stay cool and bet responsibly as well. Before you bet responsibly, sign up to CoolBet. Put in the bonus code LAXCLASS. Get free money as they'll match you up to $200 on your first time deposit. Pretty simple stuff. Sign up. Bonus code LAXCLASS. Free money. Courtesy of CoolBet. We mentioned, Tino, one game this week. So we got to get a little creative on the old parlay and uh, hopefully Patches and the folks at CoolBet will kind of piece this thing together. We bit of a collaborative effort. Maybe that'll be the key to success here. But both games one and two, one goal lacrosse games. Colorado, a plus 1.5 underdog in this game. Calgary, a minus 1.5. This game is being played in the rough house in Calgary, Alberta, and you convinced me to go with, this is all on you, Tim, you convinced me <laughs> to go with the Calgary Roughnecks at minus one and a half, which I'm not particularly opposed to, so let's ride with it. I think we should probably know that we're not going to get another 13-12 shootout game in the, in the third and deciding game here. I think this is an easy under at minus 22 and a half, and then a fun little prop bet here with the first team to get to five goals. I think we'll, one team will at least get to five here, Tina. I think that's a safe bet. We're taking the Calgary Roughnecks in that department as well. So Roughnecks minus one and a half, under 22 and a half, and the Roughnecks first to score five goals. This should get you a cool bet return of about 135, 140 bucks once the, the old parlay is placed up on the website. I love your, like little subtle addition there to just put all of this on my back if it goes poorly. Yeah. That's so selfish. Well, it's like I say to the <laughs> classmates, praise us royally when, when you win and stay out of our kitchen if you lose. Not our problem. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Good luck. Go to lacrosse, or sorry, go to coolbet.com. Go to the search bar and search up lacrosse classified. You'll see the parlay right there. And uh, like I said, spend your life savings on this thing because it is going to come home this weekend, I guarantee it. 
My fingers are crossed when I say that, just so you know. Let's take a quick break here, Tina. Let's get to the fourth quarter. Let's look ahead to that big game three between the Mammoth and Roughnecks. We're back after this. Stay classified. This is Brad McCulley, and you're listening to Lags Class. Welcome back. Quarter number four. No more breaks on the podcast. We like that. You like that. This quarter is brought to you by Mitch Jones Real Estate. Jonesy's back in town, Tino. Uh, he's back with the bellies. He's going to be at Queens Park. And he's going to be selling real estate around the Tri-Cities as well. Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, Port Moody, working out of the Royal LePage Sterling offices down there in Port Moody, Brew Street. And uh, you're looking to get into the real estate market or maybe you want to upgrade to a bigger place. You got a growing family, whatever the case may be, Mitch Jones is your guy and uh, you can get a hold of him through social media. His DMs are open. Mitch Jones 74 on Instagram. Uh, he's always posting stuff up on there as well. Or get in touch with them through the Royal LePage Sterling offices. Tino, again, I, you know, I screwed up the, the computer. I had to, Close down all my pages and stuff, but let me get you Mitch Jones's cell number because at the end of the day, that's the best way to get a hold of somebody. Just write to the cell, 604-916-6772. So when he's not out on the parquet at Queens Park Arena playing for the bellies, he'll be working hard in the real estate market. Mitch Jones Real Estate, have a place to sell, need a place to buy. Mitch Jones Real Estate is your guy. Tino here in quarter number four, just one game to talk about. Game three, the decider. And like I said, in the coming uh, weeks here, once the NLL season wraps up, the format will change here in Lax Class. But this will be a, a pretty quick quarter here. It's just the one game to talk about. But, you know, 8-7 in the first, 13-12 in the second. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like we find something in the middle, like 10-9, 11-10 here in the deciding game three, which will be played in Calgary. And I think that is going to be the determining factor here. Like, I think if this game is being played in Colorado, the Mammoth win. No Tyler Pace, Mammoth at home. I like Colorado in that spot. But with Pace in the lineup, playing in Calgary, a week's rest here, I think the Roughnecks squeak this thing out. Yeah, I think there's a few determining factors here for it, for Calgary to have success in this game, though. I do think they have a little bit of an edge being at home. I agree with you there. I think, I mean, the obvious one is they have to stay out of the box because this Colorado power play, especially in the postseason, is electric. Um, the other big thing, I mean, to me, Colorado in Zed Williams and Connor Robinson, Colorado has two of the most lethal shooters from distance in the entire league. I think for Calgary to have success, I mean, you always have to, you always have to talk about protecting the middle of the floor. And obviously, yes, that goes without saying, I don't think you can give Zed Williams or Connor, Connor Robinson, any real estate, even if it's from distance, because if they can even get half a step, they're going to shoot around you from so far out and they're going to pick a corner. I think that's going to be a huge difference maker in this and game. Connor really seems to have Del Bianco's number to some regard. Like, I don't know if he's unlocked the, the secret on where to shoot, when to shoot, how to shoot, but he seems to have more success against Delbs than any other player, maybe 
in the league. And I, you know, I think that's going to be a key. If they can limit Zed and, and Connor and, and try and let everybody else try and be, which can be a little dangerous when you're talking about the likes of Ryan Lee and Eli McLaughlin mixed in there. Be interesting to see whether Gibson gets back in for game three or whether they stick with McIntyre or maybe Kinnear comes out and they, they go with an extra righty. We'll, we'll see how that kind of all plays out. But again, I you know, like you mentioned, discipline, I think, for both teams is going to be paramount in this game. Limit the mistakes, right? Whichever team plays a cleaner lacrosse game, the, the unforced turnovers, the bad penalties, the, the shaky goals is going to be the team that comes out on top here. These teams are so evenly matched. They're both fantastically well-coached, amazing goaltender. They're so balanced and even. It really could go either way. And I just attribute the home floor, I think, is going to be the deciding difference in this one. Either way, Saturday night is going to be must-watch television. 6.30 Pacific time is where you want to check it out. It's on TSN. Brad, Chantel, Teddy will be on the call for that one. Those lucky bums. Um, So enjoy Saturday night's game and then the finals will be set and they'll get going the following weekend. No off weeks in between the playoffs here, which I love. Uh, Tino, that was fantastic stuff this episode. If I do say so myself, I want to thank Steve Dietrich for coming on the program. I want to thank our sponsors, Stampede Tack, Rycor Construction, Cool Bet, Mitch Jones Real Estate, and Associated Labels and Packaging for their continued support here on the podcast. Please support these people, those people. To keep this podcast going, we'll be back next week, every week, here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for more Lacrosse Classified. EP236 is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now this one is done for Santino Fair. I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.